around 70,000 people and saving hundreds and hundreds of lives and ultimately thousands of lives. And uh, someone, I was sitting down with someone for breakfast this past week, and they were talking about how where, where they are in Africa, the people in their village have to walk nine miles to get water. Nine miles. Now, if you just think about that for a moment, walking there nine miles with nothing to carry would be hard enough. Walking back that nine miles with water, I don't care if you balance on your head, I don't care if you put on your shoulder, on your back, whatever the case may be, nine miles with water is almost unbelievable. If you have to walk nine miles for water, guess what else you're not doing? You're not going to school. So the idea of drilling wells, it helps in so many areas. Number one, it saves people's lives. It gives students an opportunity to, instead of going and having to fetch water from nine miles away, they can go to school. They can do those types of things. So water is central to making a difference in people's lives. And our walk for water on July the 2nd is an opportunity for you to be a part of something. We're going to raise money to, to drill another well in Nigeria and literally save people's lives. It's as simple as that. No, no question about it. We're going to save people's lives. So sign up out in the foyer here if you would. Uh, we'll give you an opportunity to, uh, I don't, you can walk, you can run, you can skip, it doesn't matter, as long as you're here a part of it uh, and you're changing people's lives. Uh, another thing is, um, we are going, you see the parking lot has been, uh, you know, re, re, uh, redone. It's kind of the nice and black. We, stri- we striped it and everything. We're still working. We're going to fix all the cracks and little potholes everywhere we find them. We'll fix those and redo it a little more so it'll look better and better as the summer goes on. But also, if you would follow me in my mind all the way down to the Grace Impact Center, all the way down to the end, where you have that, those, four, those three or four bay doors there, it's the really ugly part of the facility. Well, this coming week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we have someone coming in who's going to take his bulldozer, load all that up, dump it out, go dump it somewhere, and bring back uh, just loads of dirt and fill in from 4th Street. If you notice, the parking lot comes out a little more further away from the building. The stripe is uh, further out into the parking lot. We're going to take all the, all the room where there's this blacktop that we're not going to resurface. We're going to tear that up, and we're going to plant trees and grass and make that look nice, a nice area. So instead of that being the eyesore of the property, it will turn into the nicest-looking part of the property. Double glass doors will go right there. That'll be the entryway. There'll be a big deck off of that coming out from that area, and then grass and trees. So it'll look really, really nice, and it'll happen in the next couple of weeks. So if you would like to be a part of the construction team, I know a lot of people have said to me, hey, I want to help when you start doing this. There's a sign-up out here in the foyer, uh, the Welcome Center. So if you want to be a part of the construction team, just sign up, and we'll give you a call, let you know when we're doing certain things. If you have no skills, it doesn't matter if you're like me, you're just kind of a grunt worker, that's fine too. We can always find something for someone to do. But the more, the more manpower we have, the more we put into it, a little sweat equity, the more we'll save going forward. So if you want to be a part of that, certainly jump in. Last but not least, summertime. Numbers go down this summertime, so does giving. And to keep your passion from being stressed, please remember you're giving, okay? And when you come back from vacation or from the, all the things you're doing, catch up a little bit um, because we have a buffer right now. But I really, here's my heart. I want to keep, the, it's about twenty-five dollars or $30,000. I want to keep the buffer all summer long because at the end of the summer when we're getting close to finishing the 40,000 square foot building we have back here, we may need some of that to finish off those projects in a hurry because we want to be done by November so we can bring all of our teams in who are going to use this facility. So please remember your giving. We don't pass the offering plate around, so if you're here for the first time, you're thinking, man, they're all asking for money already. I just showed up. 
No one's going to pass the offering plate around, so you're under no pressure whatsoever. Our boxes are here by the door, by both doors, so if you feel led to give, you're here for the first time, don't worry about it at all. But if you would, just remember your, your tithes and offerings throughout this summer because it'll make, uh, make life a lot easier, and it's just a part of who we are as the body of Christ to keep our church moving forward. All right. You know, for much of my life, I was the ready, fire, aim kind of guy. Uh, I, I openly admit that. Over the past few years, that's changed. It really has dramatically changed in my life over the last five or six, seven years. Uh, God has kind of worked on me and helped me to understand certain things. But I, I have to admit uh, that that way of thinking has really allowed me to do some pretty amazing things in my life that, that I wouldn't maybe have done before. Um, but it's also gotten me into a, a bit of trouble. And so God has allowed me over the past few years to come to a more balanced approach in my decision-making. And I believe that all of us can make wiser choices, wiser choices, if we patiently seek God as we are making our plans. That's what I want to talk about this morning. You can make a wiser choice. You can make better decisions if you patiently seek God as you're making your plans. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 promises to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase his learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Now, we all want to make positive decisions in life. That's just obvious. I mean, no one walks around saying, yeah, yeah, I want to just want to mess up in every decision I make and drive everyone nuts, including myself, and may be miserable all the time. Everybody wants to make positive decisions in life, but that's easier said than done. So how are we going to make the right decisions as we go through life? How are we going to make those right choices? Well, there are 10 questions, and after first service, I'm, I'm halfway through the sermon, I realized I kind of mixed some numbers up. There's actually 11, so you get a bonus one this morning that I didn't know about. I, I don't know how I missed this going over the sermon, but 100 times, I just go over it and over and over it all week long, but somehow I missed it. So actually, if you take out your, your bulletin, on the back of your bulletin, it says 10 questions, you know, just put 11. Okay, because actually 11. See, I, I love you guys so much. I add, I wanted to give you more. I wanted to add to your blessing this morning. So it's 11 questions because I'm going through it. I'm like, I got about five or six. I'm realizing, uh-oh, I, 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 I put six there twice or something. So the rest of the service I was going, and next, and next, instead of going seven, eight, nine. All right. The first question, oh, back up here. Got to make the, you got to make these right decisions because if you don't make, if you don't ask yourself these 11 questions, okay, you're going to find yourself making foolish decisions that will have a life-altering, have a life-altering effect on your life, all right? So you, you need to make sure that you ask these questions before you make a decision, okay? Ask these 11 questions before you make a decision. The first question, would God bless my decision, Okay? Would God bless my decision? See, God's not going to bless every decision we make. He's just not. God is going to bless, he's going to bless the decisions that are in line with his will and purpose. So, you, you know, a lot of times what we do is we make these decisions and we want God to back us. So we come up with a plan, our plan, and then we lay our plan out and then we say, God, bless me, you know, come alongside me. Walk in front of me behind anything you want to do as long as you bless my plan. God's not going to bless your plan unless it's in alignment with his will and with his purpose. So we need to make sure that we're, we're taking the time to include God in our decision making. So when you're making a choice or a decision, are you including God in that? 
Or are you just kind of going off and doing it yourself and then hoping somehow God's going to come along behind you and make it all work out? In Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 34, it says, Blessed is the man who listens to me. Is the man who listens or the woman or the, or the teenager or the child who listens to wisdom. Blessed is the person who listens to wisdom, who listens to me. See, now, if you're not sure if you're on the right path, if you're not sure how to make that, that, that choice because, you know, you thought about it, but you're, you're still kind of struggling, then what you need to do is find some people around you who can help you make that choice. Find some spiritually mature people around you who will invest in your life. And one of the best places to find spiritually mature people is in a life group. If you haven't been a part of a life group before, I really want to encourage you guys to pray about it. Sincerely pray with your husband or wife that, about being involved in a life group starting this summer or starting in the fall. Get your schedule to a place where you can engage in a life group maybe once a week. Because if you're going through difficult times, if you have to make choices, a life group's a great place to be involved because you can bounce it off the people within that life group and they can give you good, strong advice. Proverbs 15, 22 tells us, plans fail for lack of counsel. Plans fail. Your plan, my plan could fail for lack of counsel. Life group's a great place to find that counsel. Every decision should be building up the kingdom of God. So we need to make sure we ask the question, could Jesus, you know, asking, could Jesus bless and build on my choice? If I'm going to make this decision, could Jesus Christ bless and build on my choice? Can God come behind me and take that choice and build on it? So can he bless it and build on it? That's the first one. Number two, will my decision glorify God? See, this gets right to the heart of our motives. What are our motives? I know it's difficult to talk about motives. Most people don't even think about it. But what are our motives? Get right to the heart of it. Who will receive the glory from this? Me or God? That's the question. Who will receive the glory from your decision? You or God? It's a, hard, it's a hard thing to ask yourself, but you need to ask it. And it may make a huge difference, huge in your decision, once you honestly answer that question. What are my motives? Who's going to receive the glory for this? You check your motives. You look into your own heart and see if, you're, if, you're, if your motives are pure. Because it may be, you know, even I found out that even the things that I do sometimes that are good, when I start to judge my motives, my motives aren't completely pure for doing that thing. Even though you'd say, well, man, well, you know, doing that for this person or that person, that's, so, that's such a good thing to do. Sure, it's a good thing to do, but what are my motives for doing it? Even the good things that we do, sometimes we have to look at our motives and say, Lord, you know, you need to chip off some of these edges because I'm doing this not just for your glory, but for my own glory. Proverbs, Proverbs tells us in 16, 2 and 3, it says, All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Do not underestimate your sinful nature when it comes to your motives. Listen, don't underestimate your sinful nature when it comes to your motives. If you do that, you're going to make a terrible mistake. We need to critically evaluate the decisions that we make, especially our motives. Taking the time to step back and say, God, help me understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because it, make it, it could have a profound impact on, on what you choose to do. One of my favorite quotes comes from C.S. Lewis. I love C.S. Lewis. I've used this quote before, but I, I'd like you to kind of let it get ingrained in, in, in your thinking. He says this, 
Humans are very seldom either totally sincere or totally hypocritical. Their moods change, their motives are mixed, and they're often themselves quite mistaken as to what their motives are. Think about that. Humans are seldom either totally hypocritical or totally sincere. Their moods change, their motives are mixed, and they're often themselves quite mistaken as to what their motives are. That has helped me so much as a pastor. Because you can, you can swing to either side of the pendulum. You, you know, people will do certain things and you're kind of like, you've got to be kidding. And you might start getting a little bit like, you know, uh, uh, hardened toward people and thinking, boy, people are, people are all this way. Or people are all, you know, oh, they're, oh, no one would ever do that on purpose. People would never want to truly, if they really knew what they were doing, that's not true. Oh, everyone is always out to get you. No, man, people are always a sinful nature blow. That, that's not good. People are seldom either totally sincere or totally hypocritical. Their moods change, their motives mix, and they're often themselves quite mistaken as to what their motives are. And they're often themselves quite mistaken because they actually don't even think about what their motives are when they're making decisions. And so when you're walking around and someone does something that's really mean to you, and you think, my goodness, I'll never trust that person again. Think of this quote. Because, yes, we have a sinful nature, but we're also creating the image of God. We have the Holy Spirit in us. So we're capable of incredible things. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Sit down and talk to the person if they offended you. Don't just, don't write them off. Don't write a friend off because they're not totally hypocritical. They're not totally sincere. It may have been their mood. Their motives have mixed. Give people an opportunity to, to get back into your grace. A little side note here. This is important that we think about this. It allows us to show more grace and mercy and forgiveness to those around us and receive it because we are these people. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Are, is the decision you're making for your glory or for God's glory? Number three, what is influencing me to make this decision? God's influence on my life or the world around me? What's influencing me to make this particular decision? Good question. Is it God's influence in my life as I read the word, the Holy Spirit prompting me? Or is it the world around me putting the pressure on me? You know, if, if you think about it, it's, it's, um, decisions come from three different negative motivations sometimes. You know, obviously we have positive dues, but these are three negative. Decisions, our decisions come from three different motiv- negative motivations. The world, our flesh, and the devil. Okay? And they all have a powerful influence over us. Some, some more powerful in other people's lives than some of the others, but the, the, your, your sinful nature, your flesh, the world, or the devil are powerful influences, and they have that powerful, that, they have that powerful pull on our lives. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 3 says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. You know, we, we sometimes make decisions based on what others think. What are other people thinking about? How is this going to, how's it going to look in their eyes? How am I going to look in their eyes? Instead of, instead of asking God for wisdom, we're thinking about something else. How, it's going to, how, how these people are going to think about us if we make this decision. How am I going to look in these people's eyes or whatever the case may be? Instead of saying, okay, what does God's wisdom say about this? What is God trying to tell me about this? It's all about what the world might think or how it makes you feel in the flesh or that prompting of the, of the evil one to go and do something. 
You've got to ask yourself those questions. What is, what is influencing me to make this decision? These are tough questions to ask because you find out sometimes you're not as sweet and nice and whatever as you thought you were. I, I, I have to raise my hand. That's what I found out. You know, but at least when you find that out, that even my motives for the good things are not completely pure, at least you can start working on those areas, on your humility, you know what I mean, your pride, whatever the case may be. At least you know, and you allow the Holy Spirit to work on you, and six, you know, two, five, seven, ten years later, you're a different person. Your motives are different. So these are difficult questions to ask, but you need to ask them. Ask them, what is influencing what is having an influencing? Is it God's influence in my life directing me to make this decision? Or is it one of the other three powerful influences that are making me, that are drawing me to make this decision in my life? And you could be, you could be five in here or 105. These all apply to every single area of our lives and making these difficult decisions. What we need to do, listen, is be single. We have to have a single mind, single focus on Jesus Christ when we're, making, when we're making decisions. The little ones, should I, should I take that? Should I share that? Should I do this? Should I, the small decisions in life, should I cheat? Should I, single-minded focus on Jesus Christ. You know, the, the question of people like, oh, you know, that's just kind of like passe now. What would Jesus do? No, it really isn't. That's what we should be asking. Single-minded focus on Jesus Christ when we're making decisions. What would Jesus do? The fourth is, who would be affected by my decision? Who's going to be affected by my decision? You don't make decisions in a vacuum. Your decisions, every decision you make, you think when you're by, by yourself, this, is, this decision doesn't affect anybody else. Your decisions always affect someone else. Who is being affected by this decision? If you make this decision, will come will become something that causes others to suffer or, or struggle emotionally or spiritually? What is it going to do to the people around me? Ask yourself the question, will this decision lead people closer to Christ or will it draw them further away from Christ? As you sit down and ask the question to yourself, okay, Lord, if I, if I choose to do this, if I choose to go to this party and I choose to make this decision to go and do this, is this going to draw people closer to you or is it going to push them further away? In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it reminds us, be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. You know, something may not be biblically wrong, but it may not be the right choice or the right decision in a certain circumstance or situation. Something may not be biblically wrong, okay? You, can, you, you argue with me and I have to submit to you that what you're doing is not biblically wrong. But what I'm saying is, it, I, what I could say to you is, maybe it's not the right choice to make in this situation. Let me give you an example, okay? You can open your Bible and it says, you know, Jesus turned water into wine. You can, there's, there's nothing biblically wrong. It's not a sin to have a glass of whatever, okay? There's no sin there. I'm not going to argue the point. Here's what I will say, though. That may not be biblically wrong, 30,000-foot view, but say there's five or six of us together and we're watching a game or you're hanging around and one of the guys is really struggling. He's, he struggled with alcoholism. He's an alcoholic. He doesn't drink, but he struggles. He still struggles. It's hard for him. It'd probably not be a good idea for everyone to have one, you know what I mean, and just sit around, ho oh, you know. That may not be the best place or the best circumstance or the best situation to do that. So I'm not saying it's biblically wrong to have one. I'm saying it may be wrong 
because that person's there and it's going to affect them. Because the Bible basically says, be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights, your freedom, you have freedom in Christ. You do. You have freedom in Christ. But make sure the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. So in certain situations, what you may do by yourself or what you may do uh, that doesn't have any effect on you may affect someone else, so you may not do it. You know, I don't go, I don't personally go to R-rated movies. Now, if you go to an R-rated movie, you say, oh, I, I've been to an R-rated movie. I've seen R-rated movies too, but you know where I see them? I see them on DVDs where I can fast forward certain things, and I don't have any problem with going to an R-rated movie that has to do with, like, historical things like Braveheart or, or uh, The Patriot or something like that, because it doesn't really affect me. Seeing people get lopped, if it actually happened, or a cannonball knocks someone over, if that actually is true... It doesn't spiritually affect me. But here's the thing. I'm, I want to be careful that I don't affect someone else who sees me coming out of the movie. They don't, maybe they're not going to go see it. It's rated R. Maybe they think it has all kinds of sex in it. And they think, why is a pastor going to see an R-rated movie? Now, you may think I'm being really a stickler here or legalistic. It has nothing to do with legalism. It has to do with thinking about what if the junior hire is coming out of their movie and they see me coming to that movie and they're not going to go to that movie or ever see it. What the, what, how may that affect them? So I'm, I'm just being concerned. It doesn't affect me to go see certain movies, but I want to be concerned about people who are around me who are watching what I do. I have freedom in Christ, but that freedom needs to be used in a way that will basically build up the kingdom of God and, and fulfill his, his greatest commands, which love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And what else? And love your neighbor as yourself. My freedom, if it steps on you and affects you spiritually, I should curtail my freedom to make sure that I don't negatively affect you in a spiritual way. That's what the Bible is saying. Protect each other. There's nothing wrong with some of these things, but make sure that you're protecting the weaker brother or sister in Christ. Okay, number five. Have I considered the consequences of my decision? Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. All of our choices have consequences. I'm amazed sometimes. I really am. I, I, when I was growing up, I made decisions. Even before I was a Christian, um, God gave me a conscience and, and the ability to think through consequences. I always went through this consequence thing in my mind. If I do this with this person, if I choose to make this decision, what a, am I going to get arrested? My friends, we, uh, we used to stay, I used to tell my mom, she knows this now, and she was like, she, I was like 30-something when I told her, and she was all worked up about it. I'm like, Mom, I'm like, <laughs> I have kids, you know what I mean? It was a long time ago. We used to, I used to say, I'm sleeping over Don's house, and Don's able to sleep over my house. We'd stay out all night, you know what I mean? And we'd do all kinds of things that I won't describe right now, because I don't want to affect you spiritually. And, um, and <laughs> one of the things we did, remember Jaws first came out? Jaws, the first Jaws, that dates me. Okay, but the first Jaws came out, and the Jaws, the big Jaws was on the building, and we felt like Jaws would be set free. We really, we felt like, you know, free willy. This was free Jaws. And so I thought through the consequences, though, if we get up on the UA Cinnamon and untie that sucker, which the, my friends did, I was to watch, I, I watched out to make sure no one was coming. It was like three o'clock in the morning. We were spring Jaws. But I, was, I thought through the consequence. I thought if the cops come, they're going to be stuff on the roof and they can't really get down and get away. I can run, though, if I'm on the ground. So I was uh, uh, the uh, watch out, and uh, they didn't come. We set the jaws free in the stream and whatever. I don't know, crazy things we did. But you had to think through the consequences. You need to think through what are the consequences of my actions. 
If you don't think to the consequences, oh my goodness, how, how, many, how often do we get ourselves in trouble because we don't think through the decision we're going to make? Should I go to this party? Should you? Think about it. What if, what if sir, go through the scenario in your mind. Oh, you know, so-and-so, their parents are not going to be there, whatever else, his, his older friends are going to be there from college, you're in high school, whatever. Think about what the consequences could be for that decision. I remember as a youth pastor, I was talking about going to parties and getting drunk and being careful. And I remember one of the high school senior girls got up in the middle of my talk and started crying. And she said, can I say something? And I said, you go right ahead. She said, guys, please, please, please. If you're at a party and the, and the girls you're with, if one of them passes out, please don't leave them there. Pick them up and carry them out. Take them home, whatever, but don't leave them there, okay? Now, fill in the blanks why she was saying, please, when a girl falls asleep at a party, don't leave her there, okay? Consequences. She was telling the rest of the group, there are consequences for our actions. So please, if someone makes the mistake, that's what I'm saying. If, how many mistakes, how much trouble have we gotten ourselves into because we're not thinking through the decisions that we're making? I have a video clip here, and I'm not, I'll, I'll go into, I'm not picking on. It's just, it's just the most recent uh, decision that someone made that affected their lives. At the outset, I'd like to make it clear that I have made terrible mistakes that have hurt the people I care about the most, and I am deeply sorry. I have not been honest with myself, my family, my constituents, my friends, and supporters, and the media. I am deeply sorry for the pain this has caused my wife, Huma, and our family, and my constituents, my friends, supporters, and staff. I haven't told the truth, and I've done things that I deeply regret. I've brought pain to people I care about the most and the people who believed in me. And for that, I'm deeply sorry. I apologize to my wife and our families, as well as to our friends and supporters. I'm deeply ashamed of my terrible judgment and actions. Now, just so you know, uh, if, if that were a Republican, okay, he's Democrat. If that were a Republican, I'd show the exact same thing. Because I, I can give you multiple Republicans who do the exact same thing. My point is, we make decisions, okay, and we don't think through the consequences. You guys, the technology is so quick right now. You can do certain things. You can make certain choices. You're not thinking, you're not thinking the whole thing through. And click goes off into the cyberspace. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, what did I just do? We need to think through the consequences. And again, I'm not just picking on politicians. How about pastors who don't think through the consequences? What are, what's the implication of a pastor not thinking through the consequences of that type of behavior? It's worse than when a politician does it. Because it not only affects the person's family, it affects their church, and it affects their relationship with God. And it also affects Jesus being dragged through the mud in the community. We need to think through the consequences. If you're, if you're right now, if you're in a place right now where you're, your mind is kind of wandered and you're kind of thinking about, boy, I, I might want to do this, or please think through the consequences. It will not, be sure your sin will find you out. It is not going to work out for you. The devil wants nothing more than for you to fall in that way and so he can pull that out at some point out of the closet and destroy your life and destroy your family's lives and destroy everything around you. Be careful.
careful of the consequences of what you do. Think through the consequences. And if you're the kind of person who doesn't have a stop sign in your head or a yield sign, get around some people and get accountability partners who can help you in that area. Because some of you don't have stop signs or yield signs. You need to recognize that. I'm not picking on you. All I'm saying is recognize it. Find some people who can hold you accountable. And when you go to make decisions, go to those folks and talk to them about their, deci- their decisions and help them. They'll, allow, they'll help you walk through the consequences. Number six, will I be able to handle the responsibility of this decision? This is, this is a big one. Will I be able to handle... This is for the students too. You guys, adults and students, but students, uh, kids, think about this. We need to think through all the details have you ever noticed, I just thought about this in the last like couple months, have you ever noticed that the idea of something is a lot better than the reality sometimes, right? The idea of something is better than the reality. Hey, let me give you an example. Hey, let's get a cat, okay? Don't cat people, don't get worked up. I have a dog, so I just didn't want to use dogs or whatever. But let's get a cat. It's like, so what a cute kitten right outside the, the department store. You go to the store, you go to the grocery store, and the guy has a box of cats. And they're just so adorable. And what possible problem could you have with this adorable little kitten? Except when you come and show your scars to everybody. Look at this, they scarred me up. When he scratches all your furniture to pieces. When the thing like wheeze on everything in your house and everything stings, your carpet stings, you got to pull your carpet up. And the cat, it's like the litter box. No one wants to clean the litter box out. And then that beautiful bird thing you had in the back where all the birds used to come. Now they're all dead on your porch. You know what I mean? There's the cardinal, there's the blue jay. The squirrels are all dead. The birds are all dead. It's fishing fish out of your pond. It's like a nightmare. You know, if cats were as big as lions, we'd all be in they're unbelievable. I mean, you know, so again, all you cat people relax. My point is, my, you know, my favorite pets are right now, the fish in my backyard pond. I love the fish. I feed them. If I don't feed them, I don't care. They eat the bugs off the bottom of the pond. It doesn't really matter. Okay. I love them. You never notice when you name a pet, it dies. I had these, Josh, one of these turtles, we got a turtle and I said, and they said, what are we going to name? And I said, turtle, the the stinking turtle's name is turtle. We, we didn't name the turtle. It's about this big. It swims around the pond. It loves it out there. The next turtle we got, they want a name. We named it Sparky. It was dead the next day. You know, Sparky, what's wrong? (laughs) Sparky's dead. Don't name, well, you have to name your pets, but don't name certain pets because it's all over for them. But you have to think through that the idea of something, think about this, the idea of the dog was so much better than a dog, wasn't it? That dog that gets you up at five o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom, wasn't it really a great idea when it was a puppy and you thought, how cute? It's just annoying now. I want to get a bigger house. You think through that? A lot more lawn to mow, a lot more to take care of, a lot more, a lot more. Think through all the decisions. Think through all the details. Proverbs thirteen sixteen says, it tells us that every prudent man or person, doesn't matter, acts out of knowledge. What is this going to cost me down the road? How many times when we make a decision... Do we, we have all the right reasons, but then we bite off more than we can chew. And in this culture, at this time in history, my friends, we do not, we don't need to bite off more than we can chew, do we? But it's, it's not a, it's not wrong. You're not going to get judged in heaven for it. It's not bad that you decided to get the whatever animal, the chipmunk or whatever it was, whatever you have in your cage. But you know what? No one can really take care of it. So think through, I don't mean to pick on animals. I'm just using those as examples. There's a million other examples I could use, like buying certain things and 
but think through those decisions because sometimes they're not wrong. It's not wrong to do it. You're just biting off more than you can chew and your life becomes more difficult because of the decision. So when you're making a, a choice, consider that what, are, what are the ensuing responsibilities if this were all to fall back on me, mom? Think of that. Because a lot of times mom gets all the responsibility for those kind of decisions. So if, when you're making a decision... What are the responsibilities going to be if all this were to fall back on me? So think through all the implications of making that decision about going there or doing this or having this or buying that. And then what are, what are the ensuing responsibilities if all of it is going to fall back on me? Because reality says it's going to fall back on you. And can you handle it? Because in this day and age, there's a lot of stress on people. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, so make sure you think through that decision. You know, think, thinking it through. How is this going to affect my life long term? Number seven, are you making this decision to please God or to please others? We've all done this. We have all done this. Make a decision so that people around us will be pleased. We, want to, we, we become people pleaser. You a people pleaser? You make decisions. You're in your mind, you often make a decision because you think it's going to please someone else. And that's how you, that's how you make it. So you have to ask yourself, are you doing this because you're trying to please others or are you doing this because you know it's the right thing to do? It's just the right thing to do. It's what God would have me do. And in your mind, honestly, in your mind, if you're thinking you're really doing this for the majority of the reason you're doing this is you're going to please someone else, don't do it. Until you can honestly say this is the right thing to do for myself, for my family, for God, don't do it. Because, oh, my goodness, I was talking to someone earlier in the foyer before either service started, and I said, you are never, ever going to please everyone. Goodness me, you're not. You know, if you are the most beautiful, supermodel, perfect person ever walked the planet, they're going to say, man, she's gotten too skinny, hasn't she? Oh, look, she's gained a little weight. Oh, I don't like her personality. Oh, there's always going to be a critic. The peanut gallery is going to come at you for what it doesn't matter. You could, they crucified Jesus Christ. He was perfect. Okay? Every time he turned around, they were trying to stone the guy. You know, they picked up stones to stone him. He was perfect. And they still, and still, they were chasing him around, you know, critics and, you know, constantly belittling and attacking. So you need to think, you need to think those things through. Don't make decisions because of what other people may think. And here's, here's something interesting. Sometimes, or almost sometimes when you when you try to please God first, if you're trying to please God first, God gives you favor in the eyes of these other folks. Listen, Proverbs 16:7 says this: When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. So if you don't worry about everybody else, just worry about pleasing God, then God will allow. Not all this is not all the time. This is not a blanket that always happens. It's a principle that happens. So God will make it, even your enemies live at peace with you. See, making a decision because you think uh, people will see you in a different light or you're going to win them over is not only foolish, but it could cost you dearly. Matter of fact, it will cost you dearly. If you make a decision because you think you're gonna see, people are going to see you in a different light or you're going to win them over with this decision, they're going to see, forget it. It won't happen. Okay, it's not going to work. And it will not only, it's not only a foolish decision because you're not making it in the right way, but it's also, it also costs you dearly. Okay, number eight. Do I need to make this decision? Is it necessary? You ever think of that? Do I actually need to make this decision? Is it necessary? Proverbs 19, 11 says this. A man's wisdom gives him patience. 
You see, when, when I give myself more time to make a decision, it often makes the decision itself unnecessary. If I just give myself more time, how many times have you done that? You know, you're, they want, you're being pushed to make a decision. You think you have to make a decision right now, but you don't. You step back, and the decision basically becomes unnecessary. It's not, sometimes if we spend more time in prayer, the issue will resolve itself, the decision resolves itself, and you save yourself a lot of pain, a lot of anguish, a lot of difficulty, a lot of heartache. A lot of heartache. So ask yourself the question, do I need to make this decision right now? Do I need to make it at all? It's okay to, to decide. You're not, you know, I don't have to make this decision. It may be, the decision itself may be unnecessary. Proverbs fourteen twenty nine. a patient man has great understanding. See, when we take the time to think through our decisions, our decisions are, are become wiser decisions. Every, every decision, when you have, take the time to think it through and pray it through and seek after God, is a wiser choice. Ha, have you ever made an impulse decision to buy something, anybody? I made an impulse decision to buy something? You're probably driving it, right? <laughs> How'd it work out for you? Right? Most of the time, you may have talked yourself into it, but usually when you make impulse decisions, they don't work out too well. So just think that through. Think next time you think through, do I really need to make this decision right now? Oh, if you don't buy it right now, if you don't do it right now, they're putting pressure on you. Walk away. Think about it overnight. Don't, you don't have to make the decision right now. You don't have to do it all the time. Number nine, will my decision edify others within the church? The Bible is absolutely clear. It tells us that the, the goal of every single believer in Jesus Christ is to build up the body of Christ, the believers, brothers and sisters within the body of Christ. Does this edify, does my choice, does my decision edify the church? See, if we know that building up the body of Christ is a priority for Christians, then making the choice to edify the people around us will draw a boundary around our decision-making. It helps us out. Does it edify the body? No, it does not. Then no, the answer is no. Does it edify the body of Christ? Yes, then, it, then yes, it's a good decision. It helps draw boundaries around your decision. It helps you focus again focusing on because now some decisions are outside of the body of Christ but not completely because you're a part of this body whether you're in this room or outside of the room how is your decision going to affect this body we had people in the past in, in strategic positions in the church who gotten themselves into trouble I remember one person got in big trouble and the person asked him well what, where do you where do you work and where do you where, where do you serve where do you involve and the person had to kind of explain themselves and it, and it affects it affects everyone it affects the entire body so is this decision going to be positive or negative for the body of Christ? No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, a wise decision will help the body, and a, and a poor decision, unwise decision, will hurt the body. In 1 Corinthians 12:26, speaking of the church body, it says this, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So think about it. Will this decision be helpful or hurtful to the brothers and sisters in Christ that, I, that I, uh, I'm around? Is it going to help them or hurt them? Number 10, will this decision serve God or will it serve his enemies? This, this is an inescapable truth, okay? Everyone serves something. Everyone worships something. Whether you recognize that truth or not, it's true. An atheist can say, oh, I don't worship anything. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Everyone serves something. What you do serves something. And everyone worships something. So the question is, does your decision serve God or does it serve his enemies? 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 tells us no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, which means you cannot serve both God and anything. Okay? You can't serve both God and anything else. You'll be devoted to one, hate the other. You have to make a choice here. So when you're making a decision at work, when you're making a decision at your home, when you're making a decision at school, the question is, who are you serving when you make that decision? It's a tough question to answer. Who am I serving when I, who are, we, who are you serving? I'll give you an example. When you're all by yourself and no one else is around and you have to make a decision, here's the question you need to ask yourself. Who am I serving with this decision? That doesn't affect anyone. You live in a spiritual world. It certainly does. So when you make that decision, should I or should I not do this, ask yourself, who am I serving? Who is being served by this, God or the enemy? Number 11, would God's word support my decisions? If we search scripture, it reveals the answers to the questions that we have. You have questions, you're sitting here going, I have so many questions about, should I make this decision? How should I do that? As you seek out scripture, as you search out the word of God, it answers those questions. Decisions that are filtered through the Bible are always wiser decisions, always. If I make a decision based upon what I kind of think I know or what I remember or whatever else, how I feel, those decisions sometimes may turn out to be wise decisions, but many times they're not. But if I seek the word of God, my decisions are always, always wiser. This goes back to my encouragement for all of us to read the word of God. Read it, read it, read it, read it. And I'm encouraging you to read the book of Proverbs. That we're in a series called Wise Up. This is part of that series. And I'm saying read the book of Proverbs, not just once, twice. Read it over and over and over again throughout the summer. Read through it. You will grow more by reading the word of God and studying yourself than any, anywhere else that you, where a church or, or small groups or whatever else. You're going to learn more by sitting down and studying the word of God on your own than any other time. You really are. Because you seek after, you, you, you find the answer, you dig deeper. I throw some things out on Sunday mornings, you have a couple of questions, but you forget the questions when you leave, and you never get them answered. You ask the questions of yourself when you're going through your study, you find the answer to it. It bugs you. You find the answer. Study the word of God on your own. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. We need to decide who we trust when we're to, make, to help us make our decisions. That's, that's, that's what you have to decide this morning. Who do you trust when it comes to making your decisions? Do you trust God's word? Do you trust your own motives? Or do you trust the world, the influences around you, the enemy? Who do you trust? When you have to make a decision, where do you turn? Who do you trust? Do you trust your own motives? Do you trust the word of God, the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart? Do you, trust the, do you trust the Lord? Or do you trust the world around you and all that it has to offer? You see, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 answers that question of who we should trust for all believers. No question at all. It, it, the, the question is answered clearly in, chapter, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says this as we close. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You guys, all of us, I don't care, you're the pastor, you're an elder, you're a servant here at the church, you come for the very first time, it doesn't matter. We all have to make difficult decisions. We all have to make simple decisions. But every decision is important. And the question is, who are we going to trust to guide us in those decisions? Do you really want to trust your own motives? 
I'm not saying they're totally impure. I'm just saying, with those big decisions, do you really want to just trust your own motives? I, I'm your pastor. I don't, okay? I don't want it for myself. Do you really want to trust the influence of the world around you? Is that what you really want to trust when making decisions? The influences around you, other people, the enemy, the whatever, the world. Do you want to trust the world? Or do you want to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding? In all your ways, in every decision, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Who am I going to marry? Seek the Lord, okay? Who should I hang around with? Seek after God. Should I do what my boss is asking me to do? Seek the wisdom of God. How should I treat my family? What should I do? You can go on and on and on. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to to spend time here in your word, applying these, these, these challenging questions to our lives. God, I pray no one will walk out of here discouraged, but encouraged. Because now we have some questions that we can ask ourselves when making these difficult decisions. It's hard, Lord, but with you, you can give us clarity and purpose in our decisions. And so we pray for that wisdom. Please, Lord, give each one wisdom. As I hold my hand over everyone here, Lord God, I pray that you would just give them wisdom. May they seek wisdom from you to make these choices that will affect not only their lives, but the lives of the people around them and in generations to come. Pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.